0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and the ages of all ages, amen. What better introduction to the topic of gluttony than that over-the-hedge clip about humans live to eat? Um, And food has become part of everything that we do and almost there's almost not a single service I can think of that we do at the church downtown that doesn't include food. And actually almost every service we do includes a full meal, at least a three course meal, sometimes a five course meal. So I'm no ways in no ways am I uh, like pointing the finger at anybody in this talk other than myself. And certainly, a lot of good things come from food, and we're not gonna take that away. But um, I think God also wants to draw our attention to what are what is the uses of food, and why have we maybe stopped using it for for the purposes that God created it for? So. Our key verse for this, uh, this evening is, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We finished the last topic by saying, we're talking about the uh, struggling in holiness and struggling with lust. And we're talking about how the struggle, the purpose of the struggle is so that God can glorify us. I want to tell you something. God has an addiction. You have your addictions? God has an addiction. Okay? Don't quote me on this, okay? God is addicted to glory. Not addicted to glory for us, for Him. Sorry, addicted to glorifying us. God loves to glorify us. He loves, absolutely loves, He adores the idea of bigging you up. He adores the idea of making you look good. He loves that. He absolutely loves it. A couple of examples, just for fun. The Law of Moses. Every time we refer to the first five books of the the Bible, we refer to them as the Law of who? We refer to them as the Law of Moses. But who wrote the Law? God. Who's the author? God. Who actually wrote it down on the tablets? Moses. When you go and you buy a book, on the spine it says the title, the Law And then it says the author should be God. And then on the bottom, on the little over here, it says the publishing house, Moses. But we don't call it the law of God. We call it the law of Moses. Who wrote it though? God. But he gives the glory to Moses. He says, that's okay. That's okay. We'll put your name on it. God loves to give us the glory. He loves it. He loves to share His glory with us. Although all the glory is due to Him, and He's the one who deserves all the glory, and He's the one who should receive all the glory, He loves to give us the glory. So St. Paul is telling us, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And that's what we're going to talk about. But you see, the trouble is with food, which is different than it was with lust, is that food is a basic human need. So with lust, you could say, okay, I'm a boy. I'm never gonna look at another girl again. I'm never gonna talk to another girl again. I'm gonna whatever. You could probably get away with it. You know, at least physiologically, you won't die. You know, you might not do so well in school and society and such if you cut off 51% of the human race. But nonetheless, you'll probably do okay. Right? But you can't say, okay, that's it, gluttony, food, I'm never gonna eat again. Right, because it's a basic human need. So, because our basic human need is interwoven into this thing, that is the most. The fathers tell us, and I have plenty of quotes to share with you, that this is the most basic spiritual struggle. Is our spiritual struggle with gluttony, and the opposite of gluttony? Remember, we said everything is everything is a real and a counterfeit. So, the counterfeit is gluttony, and the real thing that we're actually seeking is. Temperance Temperance is like self-control. Temperance is like, like being moderate, right? In 1 Corinthians 6.13, St. Paul says, Foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual, imm- for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. What is St. Paul saying here? He's saying it's that last part that explains the whole verse. The body is for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Let's understand it from the very end to the beginning. It's saying the Lord is for the body. So Jesus is for my body. What does that mean? This is what it means. What's going to happen to my body? I'm going you know, to live a good and happy life and then I'm going to go the way of all the world. I'm going to die. And then they're going to bury me somewhere and worms are going to eat my body and I'm going to get decomposed to dust. Right? Yes. But then there will be a resurrection. Like it says in 1 Corinthians 15, because of the resurrection of the Lord, there will be a resurrection for my body. And the Lord will resurrect our bodies and our bodies will rejoin with our souls and will go live with Jesus forever in heaven. That's our faith. Okay? So we believe that heaven is a place because there are bodies that are there. Right? Not like corpses, but bodies that have been reunited with the soul and the spirit and so on. So that's what it means that the, the, that the Lord is for the body Without the Lord, my body would be hopeless My body would be destined to get decomposed to dust And lie around somewhere And that would be the end of me But because of the Lord and His resurrection There is a resurrection for my body Okay, so that's what it means that the Lord is for the body The part before that said The body is for the Lord What does that mean? It means this. Look, Jesus says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was alone and sick in prison, such, and you visited me, right? Well, how did you do that? You know, Well, did you do that? Like you had warm, fuzzy thoughts about people who were hungry and, and that fed them. You had warm, fuzzy thoughts about people who are out in the cold and that made them warm. No, you went with your body and you did. So, God has given us this body so that we can serve, so that we can do, so that we can worship, you know? Well, I just mentioned prostrations when we were talking about lust, but one of the most useful things to do, and this by the, by the blessing and the counsel of your spiritual fathers, to do in, 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 um, in fighting the temptation of lust is prostrations. Why? Sometimes people have to be very careful, and this is why I tell you, speak to your spiritual father, because sometimes people take it as a punishment. Ah, you know, I, I, uh, you know, like I abused my body in a lustful way, so then I have to do 10 prostrations, like a punishment. No, it's not like that. It's a, a reconditioning. Like my body is, God gave it to me for the worship of the Lord. He gave it to me to worship Him. So if I sin, then what I'm doing is I'm gonna, I'm gonna remind my body that, no, 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 you're not for pleasure, you're not for abuse, you are for the worship of God. So let's now, right now, while we're still on the topic, let's worship Him now, and we do five prostrations, 10 prostrations, whatever your spiritual father guides you to do. But anyways, that's by the direction of your spiritual father. The body is for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. St. John Christum, when he's writing about this, says, foods for the stomach, St. Paul says, foods for the stomach, he does not mean here the stomach as a member of the body, nor food in itself, but he means gluttony. Like when he says, whose God is their belly, Philippians 3.19, gluttony, being a strong carnal lust, will turn us into slaves of the belly, and will never lead us to Christ. Rebuking them from it, St. Uh, John Chrysostom is talking about St. Paul, who's speaking to the Corinthians. So St. Paul is rebuking the Corinthians from gluttony. He says, God will destroy both it and them. He does not talk about the stomach, but about the exaggerated and incessant lust for eating. He is not against food, but sets certain guiding lines for enjoying it, saying, having food and clothing, with these you shall be content. First th- Timothy 6, 8. So the issue here is not that food is bad, right? If it was, we would say remove it, cut it off. All things are lawful unto me, but not all things are helpful. So where is the defining line? And the trouble is, is that not only is it something which is a basic necessity of life, but can also lead me down a way of sin, the other thing also is that it's highly pleasurable. anything which is highly pleasurable and gives you immediate Satisfaction has the tendency to Become addictive, anything Right, anything that gives you Immediate satisfaction has the tendency To become addictive So all of these things are Encapsulated in something so simple And primordial and like Primary part of our humanity As food That's what makes it complicated Add to that that the first temptation and the first sin was all mediated through ya rabbi food right so like the temptation of adam and eve and jesus's first temptation turned these stones into bread had to do with food so needless to say it's complicated saint gregory the great writes and he says no one has not first prevailed over the enemy hidden among his greedy appetites can gain the upper hand in spiritual combat. It is a delusion to want to engage combat with faraway powers when one is knocked down by those which are all too near. Certain men, not knowing what tactics to use in combat, neglect to master their gluttony and throw themselves into spiritual contests. Sometimes they do not fail to achieve major things which demand much temperance, but dominated by gluttony, the attractions of the flesh cause them to lose all the profit which they have obtained with courage. Basically, this is the most primary and simple of all spiritual battles, the battle we have with food. And, you know, it's tough, right? I'm, I'm not here to tell you, like, I'm not here to, like, point the finger at anybody, but to encourage you and to encourage me that there is, there is victory. There is victory and there is a, a, a glory even in this. Look how, look how beautiful God is. Even in our food, even in what we eat, God is ready to glorify us. And the, the, the bigger issue is that anything that we do without certain limits, without certain guidelines become self-destructive like anything take anything that's done in excess becomes self-destructive right there's a view there's a view that there's nothing wrong with like a temperate use of alcohol some people say yes some people say no it doesn't matter but one thing we all agree on is that excessive use of alcohol is dangerous right um working out your social life, anything done in excess, either you swing the pendulum one way or the other is dangerous. So then what do we need? We need some guidelines. We need some guardrails on the highway. You know, if, if you're on the highway and, 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 and you, the highway goes around the edge of a mountain or something, and if you fall off, you're gonna fall down the cliff face. What do you need? You need guardrails. You know, whether you're in the middle lane or the left lane or the right rain, lane, it doesn't matter. Different strokes for different folks, right? And everybody's gonna do what's good for them, but there's gotta be some kind of boundaries that can kind of give us guidance to how to live our lives. Saint uh, diadocus of Fotiki writes, those pursuing spiritual, the spiritual way should train themselves to hate all uncontrolled desires until this hatred becomes habitual. With regard to self-control in eating, we must never feel a loathing for any food of any kind, for to do so is abominable and utterly demonic. Have you ever said, somebody said, oh, uh, you know, uh, we'll go for Chinese, like, "Ah, I hate Chinese, or whatever, right? You know? Your mom says, oh, like, I made misaa," You're like, ah, I hate Masa'a right? (laughs) Or whatever, you know what I mean? Right? For me, it's kharshuf, artichokes. I just, I can eat anything in the world, but that's just not my thing, you know? To each their own, right? To each their own. Saint Diadokos Tafotiki is saying to hate a certain food and to choose one food over another is utterly demonic. Did you catch that? Uh, let me read it to you again. Because it's the exact opposite of what we do. This is the exact what the fathers are telling us. What you're doing is nonsense. Because you you're 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 having spiritual conferences about fasting and about prayer and about the Jesus prayer and about meditation and levitation and right? But then you leave and you go eat whatever you want and you and you just you're just you know, and you have, and you have. The, you, I eat this and I don't eat that. Let me read it to you again. Saint Diadokos of Futiki says, those pursuing the spiritual way should train themselves to hate all uncontrolled desires. So what should we hate? Uncontrolled desires. Until their hatred becomes habitual. Until when you, when you feel that something makes you lose control, immediately from a reflex, you hate that thing. Not you hate that thing. You hate the uncontrolled desire. With regard to self-control in eating, we must never feel a loathing, like a hatred, towards any food of any kind. For to do so is, um, is abominable and utterly demonic. Saying it is completely demonic to say, I like this food and I don't like this food. But that's what we do all the time, right? Like, let's be honest, you know? That's why the church has given us the holy fathers and the tradition to keep us to keep us on track, you know, and to shine the light for us when we start to uh, when we start to to go astray. Right? I'm gonna be very, very practical with you, okay? So what should what should I eat then? Right? Well, Saint Diadokos is telling us eat anything, eat everything but eat only that which is good for you right this is like a very simple and very very practical talk right saint john cresian says the natural enjoyable taking of food is not an essential evil unless intemperate or some other vice accompanies it. And temperance is like self-control. So unless it's without self-control. So St. John Casey is saying, there's nothing that should be eaten or shouldn't be eaten. He's not talking now about fasting, like the rules of fasting apply. But he's saying when you're not fasting, it's not like you should eat this, you shouldn't eat this. You should eat this, you shouldn't eat this. No, no. You can eat whatever you want. It doesn't matter, right? As long as you're not doing it with a lack of self-control. So I should ask myself, not only what am I eating, but how am I eating? Am I eating with control? So how can we put kind of like what kind of boundaries can we put for ourselves to have some degree of self-control? Since this is since the fathers are telling us this is the most basic spiritual struggle is gluttony. Like if you if you, if, if if you if you're not if you're not trying to make progress in this, if you're not if you're not if you're not struggling in this you're not gonna find it very easy to struggle in anything else. So I give you a very simple rule. St. Basil tells us the objective of temperance, temperance is self-control, the objective of temperance is realized as thus. On the one hand, one uses the simplest things that are necessary to life according to one's needs and avoiding all satiety. And on the other hand, one abstains from everything that is only for pleasure. So if it's only for pleasure, then stay away from it. What are things that are only for pleasure? I'm so sorry, we're gonna name them, and then they're gonna become like, you know, you, you're hard to eat, right? Like, I don't know, candy? Like there's, uh, Nutella has like nuts, and nuts are healthy, right? <laughs> ice cream. Like? I, I, ice cream is a great source of calcium, I have to say. Artichokes, artichokes. Artichokes are definitely for pleasure only. <laughs> right? You see what's happening here, right? I can't even get myself to say the thing because I don't want to let go, right? Jesus is saying, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And I just don't want to let go of my Nutella and my ice cream and my, right? But, folks, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. There's nothing inherently wrong with Nutella and ice cream. The problem isn't Nutella and the problem isn't ice cream. The problem is me in the presence of Nutella and me in the presence of ice cream, right? That's the problem. St. Basil is telling us also to avoid, so don't, don't eat things that have no nutritive value. Okay. And he's telling us avoid satiety at all costs. What's satiety? Feeling not not feeling hungry. Like satiety is not feeling is not being full. So like so on a scale of 0 to 10 where 0 is you're starving and 10 is I just had all you can eat sushi and I'm going to explode, okay? Satiety is like somewhere in the middle. It's like 0 is like 6 or 7 or something where you no longer feel hungry. St. Basil is telling us, you should always feel just a little bit hungry. Like, or to make it more simple for you, you should never feel full. Right? So, if that's the case, if I'm only going to eat to the point that I am no longer hungry, then what does that statement mean? That I'm only going to eat if I am hungry, right? So it's pretty simple. If I'm not hungry, don't eat. And that's how the fathers ended up, like you read about like St. Macarius used to fast for three weeks at a time. St. Peshaw used to fast for three weeks at a time and all of this. And you think to yourself, that's impossible. They, you know, they must be embellishing. They must be like, they must be like, uh, like um, you know, just like e- exaggerating these stories and whatever and this and that. No, you know what happens is that if you only eat when you're hungry, then like breakfast rolls along, rolls along and you're not hungry. And then you have class till like noon or one. So you're not able to eat because you didn't bring a snack with you and you get hungry, but you can't eat. Then it's like noon or one and you're hungry, so you eat, but then you eat till you're not too full, right? And so on. And then your body gets used to the fact that you only eat at noon or one. And then your body gets used to that. And little by little, your body gets used to you not eating for longer and longer. That's just just physiology. That's just what happens with the body. You know, It doesn't make you holy, you're not a saint or not a saint because you eat three times a day or two times a day or one time a day. That's not, that's not like what we're in, where, in what sainthood lies. Sainthood lies in the devotion to God. The fact that I don't want to be controlled by my pleasures. I don't want to give in to my pleasures. I want to give all of my pleasure to God. I want to find my pleasure in Him. I don't want to find my pleasure in food. So St. Basil is telling us two things. One, he's telling us, only eat when you're hungry and then stop eating before you get too full or stop eating before you're, before you're full. And the second thing he's telling us is don't eat things that have no nutritive value. What other advice can we get from the fathers? Somebody asked St. Maximus, he asked him, how, how does temperance extinguish lust? So how is it that self-control with food helps me in the battle against lust? And he answered, by, le- by leading to the cutting off of everything not corresponding to a need, that which also procures pleasure. So like, when I cut off things that aren't a need, then I also shut the door to my pleasures. I train myself that, yes, I have a pleasure for this, but I'm not going to respond to that. I don't, I, don't, I, don't answer, I don't answer that question, right? Self-control allows itself to be held together only with what is necessary for living. It seeks not what is pleasing, but what is useful, measuring food and drink only according to need. So now, the value of food and drink becomes how valuable it is to my body to help me... To be useful for god that becomes the new measure for food so like if i tell you if i tell you okay you know three three cuisines okay uh uh, you know sushi wings or i don't know uh you know souvlaki okay order them in one two three you know i'll say okay well i I like sushi best and then i like this one i'm going to order them by my pleasure but we agreed that we 're not, we're not going to use pleasure as our measuring stick anymore. So what's our measuring stick? Saint. Maximus is telling us by how useful they are to your body. You know why? Because I want my you by body to be useful for the Lord, right? So all of this entails somebody who is active for God and somebody who's trying to serve God and somebody who's trying you know, and that doesn't have to be in the classic sense of like, I serve God in Shersh, I do Sunday school. doesn't have to be, can be serving anybody, anytime, anywhere. Anybody who has a need, I go out of my way to serve them. The last thing I'm going to talk about really quickly is fasting. Fasting is obviously a very good practice when it comes to our struggle with gluttony and our struggle with self-control can i be really honest with you okay the most useful fasting for me when it comes to this is wednesdays and fridays and i was talking with my my my, my spiritual father and i was telling him sometimes i struggle to fast on wednesdays and fridays like like a long time ago it used to come naturally to me it was like just normal like we fast wednesdays and fridays that was very normal you know and then but now for some reason like i struggle you know what his answer to me was guess what he said he said easy I have a I have a remedy for you I've got a quick fix for you what do you think his answer was huh yeah fast Thursday as well (laughs) right that was his answer he said he said it's very simple your flesh has gotten a little bit restless you know and you know you just your flesh just needs a bit of a smackdown you know Right? And that's what St. Paul says. That's what St. Paul says. He says that I bring, I bring my flesh, I subdue my flesh, lest I should be disqualified. Right. Also in 1 first, first Corinthians 9. Right. I had it here, but, but I can't see it now in my notes. Right. So when it comes to this, fasting is so useful. By the way, just by the way, fasting Wednesdays and Fridays is in the writings of the Apostles. They actually make it equal to Lent and they say any Christian who doesn't fast Lent or Wednesdays and Fridays is not a Christian and should be excommunicated. Thank God our churches like and our fathers are a little bit more, you know, are a little bit more merciful with us. <laughs> right? But like sometimes we think that that's like an extra, or that's something Abunan Tosoni do or whatever. Like the apostles didn't think so. The apostles felt that commemorating the betrayal of the Lord on Wednesday and His crucifixion on Friday all year long was of extreme importance. So I'm telling you the truth. Like, okay, like really, the way I'm, the way I'm approaching this talk is one repentant sinner talking to another. You know? Like I'm not a saint, but just as as someone who's repentant and trying to live a holy life, you know, on Wednesdays, I just ask myself, Jesus is betrayed today. What's more important to me, that or the cheeseburger? That helps me. It's not a guilt trip. It's not a guilt trip, right? It's just, I don't like to do anything out of guilt. It's just, what is more important to me? To commemorate the betrayal of my Lord or the cheeseburger? The cheeseburger will be here tomorrow but tomorrow will be Thursday and it won't be the betrayal of my Lord anymore, right? And same thing on Friday with his crucifixion. A quick note about fasting. All, and then I'm done. All fasting should be accompanied with some period of abstinence unless your doctor or your spiritual father don't think so. So talk with your spiritual father, but being vegan is not fasting. Being vegan is being vegan. Being vegetarian is being vegetarian. Fasting is some period of abstinence, like what we call in Arabic, again, like people think that's something for monks, nuns, zabun and tassoni. No, fasting, abstinence, abstinence is an essential part of fasting. Because fasting, what what does fasting do? Fasting is not primarily for self-control. Fasting is primarily a means to optimize our spiritual life for prayer it's like the primarily what fasting is for is is to is to 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 fine tune my system so I can pray better so when I go to pray I get distracted when I go to pray I get tired when I go to pray I get lazy when I go to pray there's all of these different obstacles hindrances things kind of pulling me down when I go to pray and I want to pray But I find it difficult because of all of these little annoyances, right? Fasting helps to decrease these annoyances. But not just any fasting, specifically abstinence. Most of us hate fasting. Why? It's very simple. Because we fasted for a large part of our life, because our parents made us, or whoever somebody forced us, and we didn't get any benefit out of it. But we didn't get any benefit out of it because we didn't realize why we were doing it. Fasting is not some requirement for communion. Fasting is not some requirement to be part of the church. Fasting is a means to optimize your spiritual conditions for prayer, period. And that's why Jesus says fasting and prayer. He always buddies them, fasting and prayer. So if you fast and you don't pray, which is what 90% of us do, you get nothing out of it. Then in return, you hate fasting. Like you made a sacrifice and you went to the trouble And you fasted and you said no to this pleasure and no to this pleasure you got a little bit of self control out of it but you didn't get much so you think to yourself i hate this fasting thing you know every time i every time i put money in the this vending machine i get nothing in return well what are you gonna do you're gonna stop going to that vending machine right every time i fast ah i just get a headache and i get nothing in return Obviously, you're going to stop. But the problem is not fasting. The problem is that I'm fasting, but in large part, I'm not praying more. And that's why you should discuss your, when, your fasting rule. When it comes time to fast, you should discuss fasting with your spiritual father and ask him, ask, or your spiritual guide, ask him what, what you should be doing when you fast. Ask him, how should I pray differently? Should, we should be praying a little bit more. Most people, like speak to your spiritual father, but most people who come to me, what I recommend to them to do is to fast with abstinence up to a certain time, suppose 11 in the morning, 10 in the morning, or whatever is easy for them. They usually tell me something and I part it down by an hour or two, like I make it less, to make it easy, okay? But before you break your fast, take a few minutes to pray. Five minutes is enough. If you don't have a, a, a break at that time, if you don't have a whatever at that time, you have class, man, I don't know what, take your snack with you to class, take your muffin, take your apple, take your whatever it is that you're having that you're going to break your fast with, go to the washroom for three minutes. Go into a washroom stall, close the door, put your back to it and pray. You will find that the prayer that you have in those, just those few minutes while you're fasting is different from the prayer that you have the rest of the day. Imagine, I know what I'm saying sounds laborious. You know, it sounds like hard work, like oh my goodness, everything I'm gonna eat now, I'm gonna have to ask myself, am I eating too much? Am I eating too little? Is there any nutritional value? Oh my goodness, what a miserable life. I know it sounds I know it sounds like it sounds like it could be a lot, but it's not. It's not especially once we train ourselves. Once we train ourselves that food is not for pleasure, food is not a social activity food is not a way of coping with difficult times food is not but food is for the body and the body for food like st. Paul says no problem with that but both and all are for the glory of God remember in the beginning and in the end what God wants most what God wants most is to glorify us what God wants out of out of this whole thing what God wants out of our all of our spiritual battles, what God wants out of all of this, is to put you on the pedestal and to give you a trophy and to give you a medal. When you look at Zephaniah three seventeen, right? It says that God is singing your praises in heaven. Can you imagine that? We spend all of midnight praises praising Him. Can you imagine that God is in heaven, praising you? God is amazing. He's so loving. He's so kind. He wants wants to glorify you. He wants to praise you. So let you and me struggle in a way that would be worthy of Him glorifying us. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.